Hey friends, welcome to Something Borrowed with me, Harry Baker, a performance-based podcast where I get a different guest from the world of poetry and beyond each week to come on and share with me something old, something new, something borrowed and something blue. This week's guest is the fantastic Inwa Ellums, a poet and playwright whose new collection, What the Actual, is completely brilliant. We talk about Rap Party, one of the events he runs, which is one of my favourites ever, as well as what he's got coming up next. This was done over Zoom, so it's slightly more intimate than the Instagram and also means that not the awkward part where I introduce him and I'm not sure if the connection is going to hold out. So I will drop you just before I start off my something old. As a content warning, there is some explicit language in this, mainly because his book is called What the Actual and has the F word printed on it 45 times. But we do talk about that as well. The poetry is completely gorgeous and I loved this one so much. So I hope you do as well. I'll be back to join you at the end. Thanks. Bye. Something borrowed by Harry Baker to all of my friends who are watching right now. Thank you so much for being here. I'm in a good mood and you can't guarantee that these days... I want to ask you about Rap Party because that was one of my favourite gigs of 2019 at the Edinburgh Fringe where I was doing my math space show and I got to do my 21 seconds thing. <laughs> and I've never felt more welcomed by an audience. It was incredible. <laughs> um, so my something old is a rap I wrote when I was 17, but it was very much inspired. And to my shame, I can't remember the the artist at the time but they had a track called mc and every line just matched those two letters so it's kind of a list of different things that they were that was an mc and at the time i'd heard that rap could stand for rhythm and poetry and age 17 i like named an album after it because i was so excited at the concept (laughs) and so this is me trying to emulate that and it's a well, it's a series of verses called R.A.P. following that structure, um, and it goes like this. It's, 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 it's rhythm and poetry, reason and possibility, reaching all people through random acts of positivity. It's relevant and personal, repping any person because this really ain't a perfect world, rising above par, relishing a problem, ruining a pattern, rebelling against the probabilities, rainbows and pots of gold. And realizing anything is possible is for the rich and poor ruffians and politicians, robbers and pirates, race car drivers and pyrotechnicians, recognizing ability and potential, the roamings of a pen, the ravings of a pencil, reading a poem, running across paper, rekindling a passion, staying ready and patient for change. It's in the rubbish and the praise, the rejoicing and the praying, the romance and the pain. It is rap. It is rap. R-A-P. Rhythm and poetry. It's a revolution to alter perception. Rejection of apparent perfection. A recital with articulate precision could be replaced by a photogenic rat amongst pigeons. It's relative and in proportion. Recognizing a partial reality amongst performance. It's rehearsing a platform to rewind and practice on. Realizing that act is partly real and actually part of reality is an act put on. And retrospect gives alternative perspective. It's respecting that there will always be pressure regardless of amateurs or professors in prose, digging up roots as in potatoes, revisiting the ancient past to know, retracing ancestral past to go, rediscovering apertures like polos. It is rap. It is rap. R-A-P. Rhythm and poetry. 
It's the rush of adrenaline pumping, blood running all through your pulmonary wrap artery, purely as a route to all the particles, rushing as it passes right across the primary route of all that is part of us, releasing an alternative persona, a rapping alter ego performer, as raw as a panther, as real as a pinch, as rare as a panda, as rough as a patch, as receptive as pampers. It's receiving that along with power comes responsibility and privileges and rights are part of realizing a purpose. It's as ripe as a pear and as right as a prayer remembered accidentally on purpose. Removing it all, producing records and proving that you remain aloof to pressure it is roundabout and precise and gets the DJs rolling back like as the price it is rap. <laughs> that was nice. Get the DJ rolling back like as the price. That's so old school. <laughs> exactly. And at the time that was me like finishing on a mic drop because <laughs> like that was when they're like as the price adverts had just come on and it felt like a really <laughs> timeless <laughs> reference. So, Rap Party, when did you start it? How has it got to where it is now? It seems to just be going from strength to strength. I started it in 2007 and I had our 50th Rap Party to the date last year. We did like the 50th. So, it was the 50th Rap Party and we did it on the Rap Party's birthday last year. Which is really, really awesome, and it was it was good. And I think it started up because I just got tired of the beef between the different warring factions of poetry. Is rap poetry or is it isn't? What is poetry? What isn't? And you know, now I know that there are differences, but it's it's more in intention and who the audience is than it is in anything else. I'd say. Um, but I, I just got tired of the beef, the argument, and I just thought I'm going to create the space where we can celebrate both art forms alongside each other. And that's how the rap party was formed. An idea is the poet comes, reads one poem, and the DJs plays two of their favorite hip hop songs. That's it. Very, very simple. And it feels more like a house party than it does like a literary night, you know, and it's just loads, loads of fun. Yeah, definitely. And I love that making every poet stick to one poem, yeah. but then having like a couple of tunes in between. So people are getting out of their seats and dancing and having a good time. And I don't know why that's such a surprise at a poetry night, <laughs> yeah. but it's genuinely such a great atmosphere. Yeah. I, I love it. I think like one of the things that was difficult to get, you know, various organizations, the commission was that I'd hire poets, they'd come and they'd only read one poem. It just didn't feel like they they were getting their money's worth, you know. And I have 10 poets each night. So it can be very expensive to, to do a rap party. But, you know, we've done 50 in 10 years, so we're doing something, right? Or, you know, almost five events a year, which is quite something to think about. But, um, yeah, it's it's fun. I miss, I miss doing them, man. I was just... Hopefully, when things pass, we'll return to rap parties. And of those 50, are there any that stand out? Um, well, the one you took part in, definitely, at the Edinburgh Festival. Um, was part of the Edinburgh Book Festival, but that was just epic. It was great. I danced my socks off at the end. It was gorgeous. I think that the rap party we held at the British Library, we had over 800 people there. It was phenomenal. We had to turn people away at the door. Um, there've been a couple that I haven't been able to attend two rap parties in Rio de Janeiro and in Sao Paulo. Um, but, but I see footage and that was nice. Um, my, my colleagues went there and, um, 
you know, it was all in Portuguese and it was in Portuguese hip hop. So they couldn't quite understand the poems, neither could I, but the vibes were right and they translated well. So that was good. Amazing. Mm. Amazing. Would you be up for sharing something old? Yeah. So I, I switched up my game because of the poem you read. I wanted to read an old poem about hip hop, really. Um, so William says something in a song called Twice the First Time. He says, um, you have to extract hip hop from the urban elements which created it to let an open, wide countryside illustrate it. And I really think that, you know, just like when you remove jail bars do you really understand what it means to be free like you need that to to bump against for the realization to really sink and this is a poem about hip-hop but i called it urban autumnal which suggests the countryside um but this is it like most folks of a certain age i too have coiled my fingers into a semblance of letters hoisted north a corner of my top lip drooped south my jeans and snarled something far-fetched, brash and rhythmic at my bald fist, pretending our tapering to-do lists, stacks of paperworks, gaping mouths of dump trucks, cash registers, boardrooms or lecture halls, my part to vibrating basements of stage light and bass, a humming, electric, eclectic, their hoods lifted, caps low, preemptively nodding, gun fingers raised, waiting, waiting in the sweat-drenched dark, speakers hungry, and us to feed them words. We have imagined this, cued outside, bristling, overdressed, impatient, praying to hear again the constellation of consonants from our favorite rappers, visceral hymns on hooks of baffling sincerity, proof the rapper too once slouched against walls, squinted through smog at night skies, glimpsed far district and wished them close, hymns where books of faiths are weighed against beer bottles, but the rapper finds one rose in stone a route to break in brickwork, hope-filled hymns of verses, searching universal laws to love, when to fight, let go, or hold on, lines that walk the narrow paths we do between survival and poverty, excess and comfort, ambition and greed, destination and destiny. And should the rapper stray, lost in translation, there are verses, proof the rapper does as we do, lays down humbled, sprawled beneath our tasks, listening to our thousands, marching off beat, fleeting in alleys, deprived of sleep, poised over fences, frozen mid-traffic, crumpled under cars, our breaths, raw riffs, rising, which the rapper lifts into sound booths, attempts to form organizing principle from the mangled lottery of urban lives. The rapper beats against structures, spills out of tunnels, pours down streets, meets us in basements, lapping against the stage, waiting for the rapper's art to form from our fragments, waiting to hear the flow of our lives. In appreciation, we rhyme, we spit rhyme for rhyme, Top lip north, jeans south, bald fist, far-fetched brash fingers curled into a semblance of letters. Most folks of a certain age have done this. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it just takes me back to waiting to see most deaf and Talib Kweli at the Kentish Town Forum, you know, and just imagining them speaking our truth in the way poetry or kind of hip-hop does or doesn't. 
and there's so much alchemy in, in understanding and misunderstanding all of that stuff that's what i was trying to tap into amazing mm. thank you so much my pleasure for something new because of the the timing of this it's going to go out easter weekend and so okay. firstly do you remember performing at Greenbelt? I do. And because it was a Christian festival, you had a like, your mum's so ugly joke. It didn't go well. And side stage, you, I can't remember who the other parts were, but you asked if you should do it or not. We were like, yeah, this is a great idea. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> and I still remember it. And it was something like, your mum's so ugly when she turns to Jesus, he turns away to God. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And we were dying but <laughs> people just did not know what to make of it no and that no, made I... it all the better for us <laughs> i love to regret it oh my god wow well um, i shall never do that again should i ever be invited to the festival <laughs> on an easter theme i was asked to write a poem about the last supper and sort of more broadly about food and friendship okay and so this is what i wrote for this year I can't remember the last supper I had with friends. I think it was September out in the garden just before the weather turned. There was no great betrayal as far as I know. There definitely were not 12 of us. We were more concerned with washing our own hands than one another's feet. And yet, like the disciples, how could we know how quickly it could all change? And yet, had we known there's not a thing that's night, I would not do the same. A needed break from checking who or how many might die today, pastor and company that leave us far fuller than when we came. I wonder if at any point Jesus was able to forget. Say, Peter's water went down the wrong way and came back out through his nose. Laughter erupting, warm as flatbread, cannot help but be infectious. Even Judas, more subdued, allows himself a rueful smile. Lost in this moment of sharing wine amongst his closest friends, of course he looks around his brothers and declares, this is my blood. Food has been the constant throughout all of this. When work desk and dinner table have become one and the same, cooking starts to hold the space of the commute. An hour where I can switch off and just make something with my hands. This is my routine, broken. Still make most recipes for four, even though there's only two of us. Next day, lunchtime leftovers becoming ever more elaborate. Make note of new favourites for when we can have friends over again. Grateful for now, at least we still phrase it as when. We have got used to watching Sunday morning services online. At least this way, I don't have to join in the singing. When it comes to communion for bread and wine, we share peach squash and crackers or orange juice and hobnobs or chocolate and hot chocolate. This is convention broken. In November, our neighbours had a baby. While grandparents could not visit, we wondered what it was we could do. What we couldn't give in cuddles, we tried to make up for in food. This is by blood, microwavable. Last year, when empty streets were still a novelty, with some friends, we held an Easter egg hunt spanning all of Margate. Never thought we'd be in this position one day down the line, but we have both been planning the sequel for weeks. When we come out to the other side, we won't be empty as the tomb, but like the stone that guards the entrance, we'll have let ourselves be moved. When we next sit around the table, less broken than our cocoons, may we say, this is my blood. Here are my tears. These are my inhibitions. Shed. That's really lovely. It's really subtle. 
how it works and the sense of community and like the togetherness of the experience despite how disparate we have been. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really great prayer. May it come to pass. Thank you. I'm going to read this poem. So the actual is my last book of poems. It came out in October last year. And um, if I had to reduce the book to two words to describe it, I'd call it From Anger with Love. And that is how a lot of the poems begin. Each poem begins with the F word for the title. Um, so this poem, which I'm going to read, which I think chimes with some of the sentiments in yours is called um it's called fuck love um but it's about you'll see from anger with love curiously enough utterly coincidentally it's on page 37 which is my flat number as well and my my family haven't been around here for a while so this is about my family um and the poem is called fuck love i want to tell my twin sister i love her but what i really mean is her arm around my waist when we were half-formed halflings in mother's womb is the closest I've ever been to God. I want to tell my mother I love her, but mean, I want to spoon the arthritis out of her swollen knuckles and kiss them back to nimble freedom. I want to tell my father I love him, but mean, will I ever crown him with the comfort he deserves? I want to tell my nephews I love them, but mean some shadows seed for black skin, and I want to shield them from its falling. I want to tell my people I love them, but mean I want them to have thrived on an uncarved continent. I want to tell my lover I love her, but mean her hug is palatial divinity, is my father's crowning comfort, my mother's dancing hands, my nephew's careless wanderings, is uncharted territory, wild as it is pure. What is it to love when all your meanings are ineffable sufferings? What is it to mean more than you can? Who else carries half hugs in inflamed hands, empty of comforts, full of shadows and ancient aching acres? Thank you so much. That's lush. Thank you. <laughs> How has it been having a book out in this last year? It's been, <laughs> it's been odd, I think, for a number of things. One is that I can't meet an audience, really, to read it to to discuss it with so everything feels distant so much and most authors don't get to meet your audience but particularly because of what the book engages with it seemed more important than ever to be able to commune with people to read the poems and then to discuss it and to dissect it but perhaps there is a grace in that because i think i'd have been too emotionally risible because the poems bring a lot out of me to share to read to try and take the audience back to the point of creation you know yeah. and to share that through the reading of the poem so it's been a mixed bag um i'm glad the book has come out and i think it's been relatively well received i think from those who buy it and read it and then tag me onto things but yeah i think the book spoke to a lot of conversations we were having over last year and into this year as well yeah i um was reading through it today ahead of this mm -hmm. and i think yeah from anger with love is such a succinct way of putting it 
but mm. I love how it is. Well, I think because I've seen you read, I, I'm then able to read it in your voice and that comes through. <laughs> yeah. But also how it jumps from stuff that is so clearly raw and emotive to poems like Fuck Limp Handshakes that mm. just take you out of that and then take you back in it. But I think yeah. it's stunning. And also visually, it's one of the best looking books I've seen. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite proud of, I'm very proud of how of how we came together in the end. Yeah, I had really long conversations with the um, book designer and with my publisher. And when I told him I planned to illustrate most of the poems, he said, oh, do you think one of those could make the end papers in a book? And I said, yeah. So the very first poem is referenced in one of the illustrations in the book, the only illustration in the book. And then the black and gold cover just came from, it was one of the colors that the book designer wanted to work with. And it initially was supposed to be bars of yellow, black and yellow. And I was thinking of that hip hop song, black and yellow, black and yellow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I chose gold because of the Gold Coast, which is what West Africa, where well, parts of West Africa were called, where lots of um, of slaves were captured and, and you know brought across the transatlantic slave route into Europe, into the West, into the Americas. And I just wanted to, in some way, point to that history in the cover, which is black and gold, but also the idea of um, of censorship, of trying not to be my full self before an audience because of the lens through which Black men are cast or seen. Yeah, and then, you know, the word fuck is printed 45 times on the cover, but is redacted with gold bars. And that is to show, again, from anger with love, you know, the attempt to sort of redact or remove aspects of yourself, but the struggle to be articulate is what the book sort of succeeds in doing. So there were various things we rolled into the cover there. And I'm, I'm really pleased that um, at what we ended up with. Amazing. And does it feel different to previous collections? Because I know it's kind of your first full collection in a way. Sure. But is that like having mixtapes and then an album? Or is every collection as kind of precious when it comes out? Um, so what I've had before are pamphlets, really. Yeah. And this is the first collection where... All the poems work together and all the poems sort of subtly either reference each other or seeded in the preceding poem. So the first poem is called Fuck Tupac and is an elegy for the hip hop artist who died. And then the second poem is called Fuck Biggie Too. And if you know about (laughs) Tupac, then you understand this relationship between Tupac and Biggie. And then the poem after that is called Fuck the Mandela Effect. And this is because the poem that follows that was called Fuck Mandela, which I had already. And again, this poem looks at the um, legacy of Mandela, really. It questions him. And when I was trying to think of a poem to bridge Tupac and Biggie to Mandela, I Google searched Biggie and Mandela, and I discovered something called the Mandela Effect which was about collective misremembering and about this phenomenon where lots of people thought Mandela had died, even though he was still alive, he was just in, you know, in prison. And then in doing that and in, in trying to unpick the phenomenon, I discovered this same pattern of the assumption that Black men have died or have already withered away that either in prison and that bridged me back to Biggie and Tupac. So it becomes like a sequence um, of poems. So this is how all of them are constructed. So those those first poems really 
And actually, the first five poems are all about masculinity and Black masculinity specifically and about the lens through which it is critiqued, it is undermined, it is belittled, it is exaggerated. Um, and then following that is Fuck Weak Hugs, which again ends that sequence, I think, because it's about the physical body, about being close, being vulnerable with yeah, whoever it is you're hugging. So yeah, all of the poems all work together this closely and the closer you read the more you divine the relationship from poem to poem. So I think I haven't written a book that has been this closely tied together, I think. And to be honest, I'm not sure if I'm going to work on another collection, just because, I don't know, it takes a lot for me to decide to write a book, specifically from a climate change point of view, but also because I'm disparate. I work in so many other genres that I might step away from from writing poetry, just for a minute and focus on film and television. Yeah. Because, well, my first book I did with Burning Eye. Yeah, 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 I remember. The theme was, oh, these are all the poems I've ever written. So, you know, put together, (laughs) I guess, more like a pamphlet in that sense. And I'm trying to put together a second one and realising that there's poems I like, but don't fit with the the wider view and the narrative. And and finding that hard because I I like them and, and want them somewhere but just trusting that they will come back around elsewhere because I want it to have that more interlinked feel to it. Yeah, they will. They will. Just um, don't try and force it, really. They'll find their home at some point. I'm going to do something borrowed. Yes. I was reminded of this because fellow poet Rob Orton has started coming up on my Instagram just doing incredibly intricate pencil drawings. Yeah, I've seen it. It just... I love it. And I think it's it's one of those things where I think whenever someone does something that you can't do, it then feels (laughs) even more appealing. Um, But it reminded me of this poem. And this week, I've let myself feel more hopeful about things because the clocks have changed. It's feeling lighter and kind of feeling positive Mm. about the world and nature in general. Uh, Reminded me of this. And it's called Entertainment by Rob Watson. We'll treat it as entertainment, shall we? What shall we treat as entertainment? That tree over there, the one with the sky behind it. Yes, okay. Has the entertainment started yet? Yes, it has. We have missed the beginning, haven't we? Yes, we have. Will we miss the end? Yes, we will. We have to make the most of the bits we get to see. Catch them in our thought nets. A quickly reversing car. The colours of the junk mail on the doormat. The sun shining on the last orange in the fruit bowl. Barbecue smoke passing across the in-bloom passion flower. We are futuristic to those who are gone. Historic to those who are to come. We owe it to them to have a look at it all. That's nice. Rob is such an understated and complex mind, you know, just seeing how he creates and where he's going sometimes. I get such a rush. Um, Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Definitely. I'm going to read a poem by Ross Gay. Um, This is is such a gorgeous poem. It's called Ode to Drinking Water from My Hands. And that title is also um, the very first line of the poem. And it's about a relationship with his grandfather, I think. Here we go. Oh, to drink in water from my hands, which today in the garden I'd forgotten I'd known, and more, forgotten I'd learned I was taught this by my grandfather, 
who in the midst of our ranging and water in the small bouquets on mostly the freshest graves saw my thirst and cranked the rusty red pump, bringing forth from what sounded like the gravelly throat of an animal, a frigid torrent, and with his hands made a lagoon from which he drank, and then I drank before he cranked again, making of my hands now a fountain in which I can see the silty bottom drifting while I drink and drink, and my grandfather waters the flowers on the graves, among which are his and his wife's unfinished and patient, glistening after he rinses the bread shit from his wife's, and the pump exhales, and I drink to the bottom of my fountain and join him in his work. Mm. <laughs> Come on. So lovely. Yes, amazing. Thank you. You mentioned writing for film or TV. In terms of something borrowed, I know that throughout lockdown, I feel like there was one point when your words were being performed sort of in multiple places on multiple nights. Yeah. How does it feel writing? I guess I've seen you in a theatre context Mm. where I think it was Black T-shirt Collection was the first thing I saw. Yeah. And that's performed by you. But, you know, how does it feel writing knowing that actors are going to be speaking your words? Does it change it for you? Um, well, Black T-shirt Collection is what I'm actually currently adapting for a television series. Oh, yes. um, and it was an epic, big-ass story, which happens in so many places. Um, but what I've learned from working in theatre is actors are small gods. They're, you know, <laughs> they're demigods. They take your your lines from you and create whole worlds, whole backstories, whole countries out of paragraphs, walking people and, and they just teach you so much about the characters. And at some point it shifts where the actors know more about your characters than you, the creator. And you just have to trust that. It's so so it's so incredible and i think when i find a really gifted actor and i see what they're doing with my text i ask myself how can i better enhance their performances how can i write the text so it's closer to them working in theater requires so much trust so much collaboration so much openness i think i've become a better person for working in theater because you realize how destructive greed can truly be, you know? And these days, when I'm working on a play that is to be performed, I don't think the play is half complete until it's in the mouths of the actors and then I know truly what the play is about. So it's just, it's pulled the finishing line way back. You know, it's still, you know, and I, and I like that. It's just, it's room to, to refine over and over again. I love it. I love it. It's, it's good. And do you misperforming in that sense yeah obviously we've had lockdown the short answer is yes and no now that i'm asked to do things on zoom to go out you know to go to newcastle liverpool to do things and there's a part of me that's gotten used to just being bruce banner in the lab and not wanting to be the incredible hawk anymore you know (laughs) so at the moment i don't necessarily miss not performing I, i think yeah. Maybe things will change when the world opens up and I'm able to travel a little bit and maybe next time I'm before an audience, the rush will come back and the hunger and the joy of sharing being the main delivery mechanism for my work. But at the moment, 
not particularly no i'm just liking chilling yeah thank you so much for for coming on this it's my pleasure partly just an excuse to to see faces and speak to people um i'm just going to finish on something blue and then i'll i'll hand over to you if you're up for it okay cool my tenuous link this time is blue is the color of chelsea's kit and they are mentioned in this poem but the reason why i wanted to do this poem this week is i ran a marathon on saturday and it was one of the first times in a while i felt a genuine sense of working towards something and achieving it and just basking in that glow afterwards which is partly just science exercise endorphins but also it felt like i'd and sitting down for once rather than it just being the normal but kind of the first time I tried to do a marathon was when I was 22 which is when I wrote this poem so it kind of took me back to that time Mm. um and I was finishing university looking forward thinking if it would be possible to do words for a living whatever that meant and so yeah I think as with so much having had a year to reflect on things it was encouraging to know that I'm still here and so it's kind Mm -hmm. of looking back at looking forward um and yeah call 22 i'll try and remember it i've spent most of my life trying to fit in now i'm realizing maybe i was made to stand out it's not a bad thing we're all made different bits of dna different from a young age not encouraged to stay different we're chucked in school uniforms made to fill out uniforms in ways that placate and make donkeys from unicorns they say don't be too unique or no one will like you or this, this is for the ugly ducklings and reluctant to be riotous. Only you are capable of knowing what you might do. Beauties in the context of those that is applied to, in my views, one sound like cack and pigeon speaking haikus. So for the second time in my life, I'm palindromic. The path I've chosen isn't renowned for having logic, but every day I wake up as believe I'm glad I'm on it. 11 years ago, I couldn't imagine college. So 11 years times something I have not acknowledged. I have no desire to be sat in an office. That's as far as I go with a plan of one is right now. I'm focusing on making the intangible solid. I fed my passion to the things that I get stamina from it at 20 something and my friends are getting married or on it. I've just found someone who will hold my hand if I'm honest for me. Success ain't having a lot of inanimate objects. That's just a turd that we've happened to polish for me. Success is being happy, being you. So find a way of being you and being happy. Not the you you feel you need to be, the you you know you are, you were fearfully and wonderfully made, you are incredible. My dad taught me about the gift of not fitting in, so in a way these things I say will embody a bit of him. It's two twos now. Knock knock, who's there more, boo who's now. Less telly, less tubby, there is new news now. I've been to weddings of those I thought were too young to get married and funerals of those I believe too young to die. Some things never change, most seem to. The final show is not the same as the read-through. We try control X, Y, Z to cut, undo and redo, but nobody can do we like we do. Scene two. I think the age that those that I looked up to were when I looked up to them, thinking that it's up to them, I guess it's up to us now. Some things I've just about sussed out. I have still got enough doubts, yet somehow, somehow is a feeling less impossible. My mom taught me it might take a while for folk to see your hidden words. So in a way, these things I say will embody a bit of her. I still adventure lots. 
I still enjoy getting lost. I still hope computer games the only way I'll ever get a boss to try maintain a face more jelly tots than lemon drops to rather learn from my mistakes and be a clever clock that's never lost still. Taking that time, just perfecting me and I have still got love for the streets. It's the D-R-E A-M to P-M. One inner Christina, Millie and yet I'll take broken, beautiful over pristine and brilliant like I'm 15, a kid again. Yet to see things for this chapel, look up, my sister ain't finished yet. My older bro, a new assist, took me committing till the bitter ends. So in a way, these things I say will embody a bit of them. Well, I don't mind a masterpiece. I'd rather masterpiece of mind, at least till I've anesthetized that feeling of failure. I am no longer an awkward teenager. I can still be awkward. I'm just not a teenager these days. And no matter how much natural talent I happen to have, I am too old to train to be a Jedi. And as the days pass across and head by, it is less and less likely I will get scouted to play for Chelsea. We'll see. Because this world is not perfectly round. There's enough corners for us all to find a niche to pour affections, a niche to pour reflections that help us see different because things can be different if we believe in the people who believe have been the reason for everything I do. So in a way, these things I say will embody a bit of you. Shout out my fam. Luke, Chris, Dave, Sam, John Birch, Grace Ray, and Andrew Stans. Because the future's unknown. AKA fun zone. I mean, I've done known, you've done know I'm ready for the next step. Don't quite know what to expect, but those have been the best yet. So on your marks, get set. Thank you. Thank you. So you wrote that when you were 22, you said? So yeah, it was final year of uni. thinking I'll try the poetry out and if it doesn't work (laughs) I'll be a maths teacher and that's that's still the game plan (laughs) here you are years later exactly um let me see is there something blue so blue just sounds just seems sad to me really so should I read a poem Uh, I don't know okay I'll read fuck humanity (laughs) this this is sad but i think it changes and again for mango with love here go this is and thanks for having me thanks for having me harry um fuck humanity i want to bellow like a card carrying champion of the nihilist society fuck all the ways even our most earnest faithful folded over humbled deep down considered attempts at amending our venomous ills undoes itself. Think almond milk and California wildfires, nitrogen fertilizer and industrial food waste, factory emission limits and the trade in carbon offsets, free market and exploitation, voluntary work and white savior complex, vegan avocado diets and deforestation, phones to connect our lonely spirits and black bodies in coal tan mines. Fuck every single attempt. Our best bet is to annihilate our vicious selves. I want to bellow as Ellie pushes her three-year-old hand into the calloused cave of mine. Her fingers frail as elderberry petals flutter. She calls me down to the careful constellations blooming in the brown universe of her brimming eyes and all I am folds over humbled deep down, reconsider an attempt at amending a venomous ills, even if it undoes me. Mm. Thank you so much. I think that's a little blue. Yeah. 
Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much to Inwa for joining me and to you for listening at home. I loved that episode. I hope you did as well. I started this off during the first lockdown as a way of trying to connect with people to allow performers to have a chance to perform in some capacity. I'm going to be taking a short break while I try and focus on some more writing for my book, but I'll be back very soon. Uh, if you have enjoyed these, if you want to catch up on any previous episodes, I do recommend that. Otherwise, please tell your friends about it. Otherwise, you can find me online. There will be links in the description to both Inwa's book and whatever he's up to, as well as my various places you can follow me. There is a Ko-fi page where you can leave donations. I partly wanted to do this so that poets could have paid work. So I'm just paying everyone out of my own pocket. But if you want to help contribute to that, that'd be amazing. Otherwise, please do enjoy your lives. I hope the days continue to get longer and brighter and I will be back with you very soon. Lots of love. Bye. Something borrowed by Harry Baker to all of my friends who are watching right now.